Well, hello and welcome back again to the Bible teaching channel of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. Today we are going to be taking a look at the book of Acts chapter 18. So as I always say, if you are in a position where you can do so, please go ahead and grab your Bible. It's important that you follow along with us and actually read the word of God for yourself. So Acts chapter 18. The last time we were together talking about the book of Acts, we, of course, finished up chapter 17. And if you haven't heard any of the previous teachings on Acts or uh, many other books of the Bible that we have taught through, you can find them on our website. You can go to aloveoutreach.com. You can also find us on pretty much any podcast platform that's out there under the name of A Love Outreach. And you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and such under A Love Outreach. But uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know where you listen from. And if you have any questions or anything that we can pray for you about in regards to your walk with the Lord, we'd love to help you with that. So please don't hesitate to contact us. Also, you can contact me directly if you'd like, Dave at aloveoutreach.com. So hopefully you've got your Bibles now and have been able to find the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then the book of Acts, and we are in Acts chapter 18. And I am going to go ahead and just jump on into verse 1. So Acts 18.1 says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Cornwith. So Paul is now back amongst the Corinthians and the believers that are in the city of Cornwith, okay? And he found, it says in verse 2, a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, and he came to them. So right there in the midst of verse 2 there, we see the reason that Aquila and Priscilla were in Cornrith. It says it was because Claudius, right now Claudius was the emperor of Rome at that time, right? It said that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. So he kicked them out of there, right? But as always, especially in the case here of Aquila and Priscilla, God has a plan for those that love him, for the lives of those that love him. And you can rest assured that if you are in Christ and you are seeking God and you are giving your life to him, that come what may, it'll work together for good. Okay. So here we see that because of persecution, Aquila and Priscilla were forced to leave But this does not take them, it did not take them out of the will of the Lord for their lives, as we'll soon see as we read on. But this is an important point that I don't want to, you know, brush too quickly past. Um, Can you look back over a time in your life and see that at various times when hard times hit, you, you know... You, you had to make changes in your life during those hard times as a result. Something came up, something happened, 
and you had to move or you had to move on. You had to change your circumstances, change your situation, maybe change your job, maybe change a relationship. Who knows, right? But you came to find out at the end when your hindsight was 2020, as they say, that it all worked out just fine. And in most cases, even better. It might have turned out even for the better. So this is the way it is when we trust in the Lord our God and we've committed our lives to him. We yield our lives to the leading of the Lord. And when we actually allow the Lord to be Lord, right? We let him be the master, the king, the Lord of our lives. And we surrender to him by faith and we trust in him. And I really just want to exhort some of you out there right now with that, that you can trust in the Lord no matter your circumstances, no matter what you're going through. And, and you can keep pressing on into faith, okay? It's not an easy way to live. It's not an easy way to live to walk by faith. It's much easier to walk by sight. But, but it is our faith that pleases God. And it's the way that he has called us to live. It's the best way to live. See, it, it takes faith for sure, but this is how the Lord works in and through our lives today is by faith. And we must make a decision to truly walk by faith, right? That is, we don't just say we have faith, but we actually live our lives in such a way that displays that we actually walk by faith. There's something active to it, something real about it. Okay, and I'm expounding here on just this little thought of how Aquila and Priscilla, and we're going to see they were used by God, but I'm just kind of expounding here on how their lives were, were shook up, right? And they had to move on. But you know, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says this. It says that my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, nor are your ways, excuse me, excuse me my ways, says the Lord. That's what the Lord says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. And he says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So if we are going to truly walk by faith, then we must realize that Things are not always going to, and quite frankly, maybe never go the way that we think that they should go. Our thoughts are not his thoughts, and our ways are not his ways. His ways are above our ways, and by faith, we submit to that. We yield to his ways. We say, here I am, Lord, send me. We say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And then we plan our steps. We do have that role where we plan our steps, but he directs our paths. Now, as we have this understanding that the Lord is great, right? Greater than us. He's above us. And we tune out the ear of our heart to the voice of the Lord. We also know that we have the mind of Christ. You know what? Go ahead and mark this page in your Bible because we're going to come back to it. 
But find 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So you're in the book of Acts, so it's going to be to the right, a couple books toward the back of your Bible. You have Acts and then Romans and then 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And I want you to look with me at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, I'd like to read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I want to just jump down and start reading in verse 9. And if you've been with me any, any period of time, you've heard me quote this verse 9 here a lot, but I want to start reading here in verse 9. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Remember, our thoughts are not his thoughts. His ways are much higher than our ways. So in our carnal minds, right, the natural man, if you will, we fall miserably short of knowing what God knows. And we fall miserably short of all that, you know, God has planned for us. We cannot conjure that up in our own mind. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. So by faith, we just submit to that fact. But there's good news, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So God does reveal to us the things he has planned for us, right? It says, for the spirit, excuse me, <coughs> searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, here's more good news. Verse 12, we have received, it says, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have the knowledge of the things that God wants us to know. These things, verse 13 says, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual so, in, in order to be comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, we must be spiritually minded in the first place, right? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's what the scripture tells us. We shouldn't be walking about being carnally minded, thinking on the things of this world, but rather by faith and through an active faith, that is, right? I'm speaking of an active faith. We remain spiritually minded people. In many cases, the church is dead today. That which is called the church, right? All these groups of people that meet all in different places, right? But yet have no impact because they're too carnally minded. But it doesn't have to be that way. We have the spirit that is from God, the Holy Spirit, to lead us so that we can be impactful 
in the world to others around us. And you see, verse 14 tells us that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So you see, anyone that yields to the Spirit of God has spiritual discernment. If you're, if you're yielding to the leading of the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, you have spiritual discernment. Though spiritual discernment does seem to be missing in many people who profess to be Christians today. Right? But verse 16 says, For who knows the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And the answer to this question is no one, right? Because our thoughts are not his thoughts and his ways are much higher than ours. But check out the last sentence here of verse 16. It says, but we have the mind of Christ. So that's the spirit of the Lord within us, giving us the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ when we are baptized in the spirit. Like I said earlier, this is not the easy way to live, but it is absolutely the best way to live. It's not the easy way to live because the easy way to live is to just have the mind of this world, to just go with the flow, to be like everyone else, to think the way that they do, right? And you're going to be an outcast. You're going to be set aside if you're thinking differently and you have the mind of Christ because the Spirit of the Lord is within you, giving you spiritual discernment to say, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going in the, the, the way of the rest of the world. No, I'm not going to think that way. No, I'm not going to do those things, right? If we fix our eyes on this world and we go with the flow of this world, then, well, yeah, that's easy, right? If you talk about what the world talks about, you think about what they think about, like material things, financial things, political things, and such. And again, think about the state of the, the church today. Those that call themselves believers in the world today, what are they focused on? You see it has crept into Christianity to be about financial things. Churches are holding financial seminars. You see it's crept into Christianity to be all about political things. It's like many Christians, it seems like their faith is in politics more than anything. If you talk to them, right? But that's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ Though if you're baptized in the Spirit, you have spiritual discernment, you're comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. That's where your thoughts are, right? The mind of Christ focuses on spiritual things. So as we flip back again to chapter 18, we've read how Aquila and Priscilla, chapter 18 of the book of Acts, right? We've read how Aquila and Priscilla were ousted from Rome because they were different from Rome, right? They, but by faith, they pressed on. And the Holy Spirit just began a new work for them somewhere else. They were followers of Christ. They were believers in Jesus. Yes, they were ousted because they were Jews, but 
they had something different. They had Christ in them. They had the mind of Christ. So just because you lose something or just because your directions change, maybe you lose your house, maybe you lose your job, maybe circumstances change, you could trust in God and you could commit your way to him and submit your lives to him, your life to him so that he can direct you. You could become spiritually minded. Maybe sometimes when we lose things or things happen in our lives and things change, maybe it's an, an opportunity where God's shaking us up to say, hey, you're too carnally minded. Don't worry about this. Think on things above. Think on things that are good and pure and lovely and just and of good report. So sometimes like we see here with Aquila and Priscilla, something good is going to come out of where they ended up and where they're going. Verse 3 goes on in Acts 18 to say, So because he was of the same trade, that is Paul, right? Speaking of Paul there, he was of the same trade as Aquila and Priscilla, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. So if you ever heard that the Apostle Paul was a tent maker, uh, this is where we get this fact from here. And we also know that while Paul amongst, was amongst the Corinthian believers, that he did not make his living from what he did in the work of the ministry. He could have. He had every right to do so, but he decided not to. And we know this because we can read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, that he said that the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Those that preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And then he said, this, this was indeed a command of the Lord, but the apostle Paul stated that he used none of those things. He said, nor have I written these things. When he was writing to him, he said, nor have I written these things that it should be done to me. For it would be better for me to die, Paul said, than that anyone should make my boasting void. So Paul's boast was the gospel. That's all he cared about, about right? To live was Christ, to die was Gain. He preached Christ and Christ crucified. He didn't care about making a living while he was amongst the Corinthians. So he worked his trade. He worked his trade as a tent maker. And this is how he ended up getting together here and started working with Aquila and Priscilla. See how God can orchestrate things? And still speaking of Paul, verse 4 says, and he reasoned in a synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So Paul had had enough here of trying to persuade these people of the fact that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. The one they were waiting for had already come. Week after week, he tried. But in the end, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. He had done all that he could do to reach out 
to their lost souls, but it was now time to move on. The Lord was going to use him somewhere else now. You know, Jesus made a statement to his disciples in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, where he said, he who hears me, hears, excuse me, he who hears you, hears me, he said. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So these people rejecting the people of, are the preaching, excuse me, of Paul, were actually rejecting Jesus. And Paul knew that he did all that he could do. You know, when I preach Jesus and teach the word of God, it really doesn't matter to me who rejects what I say. Why, why would I let that bother me at all? Because as long as I say what the word of God says, then no one has anything to lose. No one. And just because one person or a thousand people don't want to hear it, it shouldn't stop us from doing what we are called to do. And Paul is just one of our examples of this fact. He just pressed on. He just kept doing what he was called to do. It didn't matter the opposition. It didn't matter who would listen. All that mattered was that he preached Christ. And verse 7 says, And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. So it's not like Paul wasn't having any success in the ministry that he did in Corinth, right? He was leaving the work of the Lord to the Lord, and he was just being faithful to keep preaching and to keep stepping by faith, to keep on preaching on, right? Verse 9, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. So now Paul had a reason to be bold, a reassurance, a strong foundation to stand upon. He was moved by the Lord who had him surrounded by the family of God. Paul was yielding to the mind of Christ, the leading of the Spirit. And in that vision, he was told to keep speaking. Where are you today when it comes to having the mind of Christ? Maybe just take a little note and think about that. Or maybe next time you're in prayer, think about that. Where are you today? when it comes to having the mind of Christ. How does that apply in your life? Verse 11 says that Paul continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So keep in mind as you read the Bible that there's a lot of time passing by, and you got to think about that when you're reading the Bible. Time is going by, and it's jumping from this or that. Not every detail could be written down, not every split second, not every second, not every minute. 
of all that the apostles did, of all that Jesus did, not all of that could be written down. You wouldn't pick up the book and you wouldn't be able to pick up the book. <laughs> so we're getting the details here. So here you go, a year and six months he was there when then we go on and we see when um, Galio or Galio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him into the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason that I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves. For I do not want to be the judge of such matters. And he drove them out of the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. So things weren't going well for the Jews that were antagonizing Paul here, right? They were hoping to have Paul beaten and silenced when they brought him before the proconsul. But of course, this didn't happen. Why? Well, because God told him in a vision that he wouldn't be harmed. He wouldn't be attacked while he was preaching in that city. God is faithful. But ironically, the Jews had one of their own leaders beaten right in front of the proconsul. And, and he just turned a blind, blind eye to it. Didn't do anything about it. You see, Paul had the favor of the Lord upon him. And he was working the will of the Lord. So if God is for us, who can be against us? So this was a real good time of ministry for the apostle Paul. Truly an open door. And then in verse 18, so Paul still remained a good while. Remember, time's passing by. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centuria, for he had taken a vow. Now, if you're wondering what this is all about, this vow here, you can read about um, this type of a vow in the Old Testament book of Numbers chapter 6. It's called a Nazarite vow right? It was a vow that a Jew would voluntarily take. It first, of course, involved the growing out of the hair. You may think of Samson, right, with this vow. He was a Nazarite. So was Samuel. And so was John the Baptist. And those three men were Nazarites from birth, right? Because an angel of the Lord spoke that this would be the case with them before they were born. But during a vow like this, the Jews would separate themselves to God and they would have three restrictions on their lives. They could not touch a dead body during this time or be near a dead body during this time. So it was quite a commitment. You couldn't go to a funeral if your loved one died or whatever. That was number one. Number two, you couldn't eat or drink anything that came from the grapevine. Number three, you couldn't cut your hair including your beard, if you were a man. Now, I say if you were a man, because in Numbers chapter 6, it tells us that men or women could take this vow. Right? At the end of the vow, you would shave your hair off and offer it to God as a burnt sacrifice. 
It was called the hair of your separation. Again, this was a, a Jewish thing. Okay, it's not a Christian thing for today. Now, just something else to think about here. Paul may have been ending his vow here when he shaved his, his head, or it's possible that he may have been just beginning his vow because the starting of the vow was also known to begin with the shaving of your head. And that way, all of the hair that you grew during the vow would be sacrificed and offered to the Lord, and it would all be new hair. It would all be new growth that you would be offering and sacrificing. And since Paul was now beginning to make his way toward Jerusalem on this journey here, it would make sense that he would start this vow now as a way to appease the Jews. Remember, he became all things to all men. Why? Because he wanted to win them in order that he might win them to Christ. So to the Jews, he became a Jew. So anyway, just something to think about there in regards to that Nazarite vow. And whatever your thoughts are about that vow, I'm just letting you know here that that's the reason that Paul shaved his head. It had to do with that. But verse 19 continues and tells us that he came to Ephesus and left them there. That is, he left Aquila and Priscilla there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Now, remember, this is what Paul was accustomed to do. Preach the gospel, go into the synagogues, reason with the Jews, persuade them to come to faith in Jesus Christ. No, no one, neither Jew nor Gentile, can be saved apart from Jesus Christ. Paul longed for his countrymen, though. He wanted them to be saved. Right? He, he did the same thing in Cornworth until he was exhausted from doing so, but he never gave completely up on trying to reach the Jews, though he was called to the Gentiles as well. And these Jews in Ephesus were seeming to show some interest because verse 20 tells us when they asked him to stay longer, a longer time that is with them, he did not consent. So they wanted to hear more. But Paul had other ministry on his mind. But the good news was Aquila and Priscilla were going to stay there in Ephesus. So the gospel would still be preached. But what was Paul going to do now? Well, verse 21 tells us, um, but took leave of them saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. Paul had his sights set and his sails set. He was headed toward Jerusalem. After all, what better time to try to reach the Jews with the gospel? The Jews were going to be coming in from everywhere for this feast. And it was a great door of ministry. This wasn't a matter of Paul being obligated to keep the feast, but he sure wanted to be there for this one. The Lord was using him in a mighty way, and he was capitalizing on every opportunity placed before him to reach as many people as he could with the gospel. Now, we don't hear anything else in this chapter, chapter 18, that is, about what took place at the feast. 
And the next three verses are going to cover a very wide span of time, okay? Verse 22, and when he had landed at Caesarea and had gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. So verse 22 is believed to be most likely speaking of the church in Jerusalem when it says he went up and he greeted the church, right? The body of believers that gathered there. Paul met with them and then he went down to Antioch. This was the end of Paul's second missionary journey. And the third journey was about to begin. And it says in verse 23, after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phygeria in order strengthening all the disciples. So he, he did those in order, <clears throat> strengthening all the disciples. And you know what jumps out to me right there at the end of verse 23? The fact that the disciples needed to be strengthened. Can you say amen to that? Are you a disciple of Jesus? We all need to be strengthened. Even though you and I are believers in Jesus, we constantly need to be strengthened. This is why we gather together around the word of God like this, fellowship around the word of God. It's why we pray together. It's why we sing. It's why we read the word of God. Like I said, we break bread together. We gather together. We need constantly to be strengthened, to be exhorted to press on in the faith and exhorted to remain spiritually minded. And what you need to do is surround yourself with spiritually minded people. Seek them out, find them, get into the word of God, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, have the mind of Christ, be filled with the spirit, led by the spirit. Verse 24, now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. Okay, so do you see where we are now? We're back in Ephesus again, right? Not following Paul at the moment, but we are back here in Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla. And here comes this man, not one of Paul's entourage, but just another disciple showing up to do the work of the Lord in, in Ephesus. Keep in mind that when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit, it just wasn't Paul and Peter and those guys, right? The Lord was working through not just them, right? Though they are the primary focus of the book of Acts, this man, Apollos, came to Jesus as well through the working of the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 25 tells us more about this Jewish man. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Hmm. So Luke here who is the writer of the book of Acts, he's telling us that this man, though he is mighty in the scriptures, well instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in spirit, he was missing something. He knew only the baptism of John. He was water baptized, right? Have you been water baptized in accordance with the baptism of John? And check this out. This guy is going to start speaking with power even, right? It says, so he began to speak boldly, verse 26, in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. 
So Aquila and Priscilla, again, whom had stayed in Ephesus after Paul had left, were still there spending time in the synagogue, right? And they're listening to the preaching that was taking place. And they hear this man of God, Apollos, and they realize that, hmm, he's missing something here. And they take the time to instruct him a little further. It would be nice to know what really got said there, to have more details on that. But like, what, what, what exactly did they tell him he was missing? But we do know, again, from verse 25, that he only knew the baptism of John. So in other words, he did not know the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because that's what Jesus baptized with. In Matthew 3, 11, John the Baptist was speaking and he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he is coming, but he who is coming after me, he said, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there are clearly two baptisms and Apollos only knew the baptism of John. So, we can assume that this is maybe what Aquila and Priscilla pulled him aside and, and instructed him in a little better, right? Whatever the case, right, they, they were pleased with his preaching one way or the other because we're told in verse 2017 that when he desired to cross Achaia, the, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So Apollos too went off and strengthened the brethren, right? But it's interesting when you get into chapter 19, we're going to see that Paul, he, you know, when he comes back to Corinth and he found disciples that knew only the, the baptism of John as well. And they were not baptized in the spirit. It seemed that they were like Apollos and when they, they were missing out on the baptism of the spirit. So where are you today in regards to that? Are you walking by faith? Are you filled with the spirit? Are you led by the spirit? Does spiritual discernment rule your life? Or do you find yourself to be more carnally minded than spiritually minded. Do you accurately understand the way of the Lord? Do you have the mind of Christ? You must know that the Lord wants to use you in your daily life. No, we're not all apostles. We're not all teachers. We don't have the same gifts. We don't all speak with tongues. We don't all prophesy we're not all evangelists. We're not all workers of miracles. But if we are filled with the spirit of the Lord and we have the mind of Christ, then come what may, God will use you. He will move you on when it's time to move on or he'll keep you in one place, whatever the case may be. Right? There is work in the kingdom of God for you to do. And I exhort you today to seek the Lord as to how he might use you in that work. And again, if you've been through circumstances in your life where change has come about, you've been uprooted, you didn't want to be, 
you've been forced to move on, you didn't really want to be, God can work in you. But you have to first yield your life to him by faith and say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And first of all, you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, your master, to surrender your life to him completely, to bow your heart to him and to begin to be a disciple of his and to follow him. And he will use you. And when he begins that good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. So we'll go ahead and stop here for today. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, whichever the case may be. Again, if you have any questions or anything we can help you with, please do reach out to us. Again, my name is Dave Nelson, and you can reach me directly, Dave, at aloveoutreach.com. You can go to our website, as I mentioned at the beginning of the teaching, aloveoutreach.com. And uh, please be sure to follow us on YouTube and Facebook and the social media, if it be your will. But God bless you, and we will see you next time.